You're listening to Voice Memos, the show about two longtime friends who have informative yet brief discussions about multitudinous topics. If you want to go deep into a topic, this is not the podcast for you. We keep it shallow. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jen and Myron. You know, I wish I lived in Barbie land. <laughs> so you could float off the buildings into onto the ground and look at the beach. <laughs> and, and just be friendly, not a care in the world, and you know, <laughs> say good morning to everybody across the way. And oh my God. Yeah, I wish I was in Barbie land. So is that a reaction to having to work every day? And yeah. You yeah. just wish that the Barbie world was just like real. Like right, just right out your door. <laughs> no mess, like no patriarchy, you know, no bullshit. No, she doesn't earn a paycheck. Like they're, they're just giving things, right? It's just they're just Barbie and they're just living a in a dream world. You know what's the great thing about that? That Barbie movie is over eight hundred million dollars now. Damn, it like, was it, it, insane. Because I went and you know I was sitting working yesterday, and I thought it's too hot to go for a walk. I think I'm going to go see a Barbie movie. Now I have not been to the movies until before COVID. Wow. And let me tell you why I will not go back. Yep. So. I'll wait for it to come out for stealing it. I don't care how it works, but I had a nice seat. I get the, the movies at 525. I decide I'm going to leave here at five just in case. I mean, it's only a mile from my house, but, you know, traffic and parking. And I thought I, I, maybe I want to take a walk around. Do they set up something for Barbie? So I get there and I get a spot right away because I ask, uh, I always ask Mary Mary Parking Ferry for a spot and she always comes through. So I get my spot, I go in and I'm thinking, ah, I already had a big dinner. I'm just going to get a bubbly water. So I get my bubbly water. Now this is like 515. The movie's supposed to start at 525 or sorry, they're supposed to start turning the screen on apparently at 525. So yes. 525, the commercials come on, commercials play for, I don't know, what seems like 15 minutes. Now, mind you, the theater is not full. There's, you know, you have to pay, get your seats in advance. So I take an end seat because I just, when I'm done, I just want to be able to get out because some people sit there and watch the credits and all that bullshit. I don't want to have to step over them. So yeah. I get an end seat and people are trickling in. We're still on the commercials at 540, right? So mm -hmm. now I've been sitting in the theater since quarter after five. Then um, the all the previews for the movies that are coming comes into play. So the movies oh, was supposed to start at 525 in my mind. It didn't start till right before six, a little oh, maybe after six. So now I've been sitting there for 45 minutes. Now I get, I'm comfortable. I'm on the edge, no big deal. And these three people come in and of course they have the seats right next to me. Now I know you can pick seats because they let you pick seats thinking there's three of us. Why don't we move down and leave a seat next to the person that might have the seat next to us? Right. Well, this guy that sits down next to me is a linebacker for the Chicago. I'm talking refrigerator Perry, whatever the fuck his name is. Like he is sitting next to me and my sister is a very, she is in a small body. So she's very right. petite. She's five feet tall. She probably is a hundred. If I say 105 pounds, she'd be like, it's 104. But anyway, she's a hundred. <laughs> she's less than me. 
I felt like her size sitting next to this guy. I felt <laughs> instantly, instantly dwarfed. And he, his breathing was also in line with his size, meaning that it was big and, and it was large. So every time he was eating his popcorn, he breathed in before he chewed his popcorn. Oh so, my God. Um, and that's all I could hear. That, 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 that's all I could hear. That literally, I thought to myself, I got to get my head out of this, that there's someone sitting next to me that is Andre the Giant. And then not only, and I'm thinking, God, I wish he had a small popcorn. He had a large bucket, which I think was, a, was I think was a large, but in his hands, I, it could have been. <laughs> 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 the whole time there was scenes in that movie which i need to ask you about the one that you said you did agree with i was really trying to pay attention there was there was a scene in which like ryan gosling jr who plays ken i know he looks like ryan reynolds and and jake gyllenhaal and all that in your in your mind but um there was a scene where they were singing and they were all in their black t-shirts you know singing all the kens were singing and mm -hmm. The guy had to say, oh my God, this is so stupid. And then that got me mad because I was thinking, you're a grown ass Andre the Giant at Barbie talking right. about this movie, be this scene being stupid, which some of it was corny, but I think sure. it had to be corny because of it's Mattel and it's Barbie. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's you have a doll. It's a doll, right? Yeah. So I, I was... I think I might've missed a scene that you were talking about the last time we talked that you said, I don't want to ruin it for everybody. And you said it was pretty diverse. Although the director who also did that Ladybird movie, right? She, my friend Nicole told me that she did Lady. Yes. Uh, yeah. Greta, Greta Gerwig, I think is her name. Yes. And that you said she was diverse, but there was a microaggression. Maybe that's not the word you used. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. So, um, and I agree with you. I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. And and, and you know what? I think I, I, in the review I wrote, I called it funny and zany and silly. And it was the perfect summer movie. Like, it's a great summer movie. Really? And it's not, and it's not, she directed, Reddit Gerwig directed it in a way where she, to me, and I, I didn't read her say this or see her say this, where she didn't care what men thought about the movie. Right. Which, which, you know what? Look, we got 20 years of Marvel movies, of men directing movies, not caring what anybody else, not caring what women thought about the movies. Like, it, it's perfectly okay to have a woman-centered movie. And, and there's been a bunch of them. However, this is like the one right now, so it's getting all the attention. And so, and then I also said, I love Margot Robbie. And if, and if Hollywood and the Academy wasn't so biased against comedy and then against women in comedy and against like an animated movie or a superhero movie or something like this, then Margaret Robbie could win an Academy Award for Best Actress. But they would never do that because they like to reward um, Best Actress for women who have been um, abused on screen or made themselves look ugly, like Charlie Theron in that movie Monster. or, you know, or their um, um, uh, sex workers. They like to reward that for women, not something just funny. But anyway, so those are some of my takeaways, and I really loved it. I, I loved the whole Ken thing. He was just, just like the Ken doll has been for the last 50 or 80 years, however long it's been, just just there. Like, he's not he's important. There. Yeah, he's not important to Barbie's story. Like, that's part of the fun um, of, of Barbie. So my two criticisms were, well, actually, one was an observation that 
that one of the criticisms of Greta Gerwig has been her movies are almost exclusively all white people. And she has gotten criticism for why would she make movies? Like she made a movie set in Sacramento, which is 40% Latino Hispanic. And she just had all white people in her movie. And um, so she has gotten criticism through her movies. And so in this movie, she has true to the Barbie heritage, um, different uh, races and ethnicities of Barbies. Because the first black Barbie was in the 60s. And so she, it's in the movie. She has a few black Barbies. She has a Hispanic, Latino, pregnant, um, disabled, um, tall, shorter, um, bigger, all these versions of Barbie that we've seen Barbie be through all these years. You know, some of the absurd ones too, like, you know, just some of the absurd ones. I don't spoil all the movie, but they're all there. And so that was refreshing. So I was giving Greta her props for that, that it's good that she now understands you, you, this is 2023. You shouldn't be making movies with all white cast. Okay, yeah. so there's that. And then, and then the, the humor was, you know, very, some of it was silly. Some of it was like social commentary because it's Barbie. So she's talking about the patriarchy and men getting their way. And well, not, it's not always Barbie saying it because sometimes Ken is saying things. And there's one throwaway joke that is, um, is offensive. And, and, she's, and she in the movie has been called out for it. And it is, um, I think when Barbie is towards the second half of the movie, um, and I think it's, I think it's, it may be Barbie who says it, but it also may be um, the America Ferrara um, character where we talk about the women had no, they had no defense against the patriarchy. And then one of them says, oh, it's just like, it's just like the natives getting smallpox. And so the joke is they had no defense. So when the colonizers came to America, they were giving, purposely giving Native Americans, indigenous Americans, smallpox. They would have blankets with smallpox. They would give, they were trying to genocide these people to make them die so they can have all this land. And that is a very um, rightfully sensitive topic uh, for the indigenous community. And so I, I checked around online different social media apps to see what the indigenous communities were saying about it and they were rightfully upset that why would they use that as a throwaway joke that didn't add to the movie at all um ah. and to make light and fun of that situation when you when you're talking about when you're doing a story about it's fun as zany and silly and it's barbie and you and you correct a lot of the misperception of barbie right you 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 bring in all the different like I was saying, all the different races and body shapes and sizes, you do all that to honor Barbie's history because Barbie has been, you know, been that. And you make the jokes, you blast the patriarchy and all that. But then you do a joke that makes light of the attempted genocide of indigenous people. Like, why did that get through? You know, why did the writer write it? Why did she direct it and let it in? Why did the producer allow it? Why did it get through editing? It, it, it shouldn't have been there. Why did yeah. the actors say it? Like, why didn't they say, wait, this yeah, is it's like, why did they say yeah. that? Like, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't necessary. Like, it just wasn't necessary. And, you know, some of the, um, some of the people who I, I read about that, who were writing about it, were saying how, you know, there's, there's some things that are acceptable. And that's something that is acceptable. Um, and it was very similar to the commentary speaking about the Oppenheimer story about the building of the bomb that it 
it humanizes and centers the idea of, you know, um, the struggle these men went through to, to make this bomb and, you know, successfully deploy it when it, it utterly leaves out that they tested the bomb on what the U.S. government said was a desolate area west of New Mexico, but it wasn't desolate. There were people that lived there who got no warning that, that we were going to drop a bomb on them to test the bomb. And this one lady who wrote about it, she's Mexican, and these are Mexican-American citizens who have been there for generations in this farmland. She says she was a kid, or her mother was a kid, and some men just showed up in, 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 in cars and just started shooting all their cows in the head. They didn't know what was happening. They just ran into the house and, and tried to hide. And within, I, I think she said, like the next hour, the bomb dropped. And they were just there. And she said, and her mom, like, you know, most, a lot of people die, but they, you know, like half the population ended up getting cancer and all this stuff. And they were just throwaway people. Like it, it was just, the U.S. did that to these people. It wasn't a desolate piece of land. But then the other side, so that's one side. The other side is there was no um, consideration for, well, why are we celebrating the struggle of these people making this bomb? And they didn't even talk about the two, 300, 400,000 people who died in Japan. Like those, those weren't military people who died. They were just people who lived in the city. And, and, you know, you can say whatever you want about, well, it was war. We are at war with Japan and, and, and the axes and Germany and all this stuff. Those people didn't do that. Like they were just people just living their lives. And we dropped the bomb on two of their cities and there's no consideration for that. And so, so what people are saying is that we always humanize certain people and try to get us to understand them. But at the same time, we never try to humanize the victims of these people. And it's not too different from, you know, I, I've, I've read, a lot of people written about this, but I've written about this. We, we in America affectionately refer to our founding fathers, right? Even though the majority of them were slavers, they, had, they owned slaves, they trafficked people, they broke up families, they did all these things. But at, and then the flip side is, we don't humanize their victims. Like these victims are just nothing. Oh, the founding fathers, great men, created a constitution, they forged a new way, a new country and all this. And well, what about these people? Uh, what, about, what about the, you know, the, the two or three million trafficked here from the other continent and the millions that are just died here on this soil because of what these people put up? And they knew it was wrong. Like some people said, you know, it was a product of their time. No, they knew it was wrong. There was con there is writings from them and their contemporary people around the world who called them hypocrites for talking about freedom and the rights of God, God-given God rights and all this stuff. Their, their contemporaries and governments and statesmen around the world at that time were saying, you guys are hypocrites. None of what you're saying makes any sense because you literally own human beings. And, and all, almost every one of them wrote about the, whole, the founding fathers, the people who wrote the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, they also, you know, we have their writings where they, a lot of them knew they were wrong. And it just, it just didn't matter. They knew at the time that they were wrong and they tried to absolve themselves on their deathbeds and all this kind of stuff. But we make them out to be such wonderful people. And, you know, there's a million ways to look at it and to try to understand. But one is they're all on our money. But when we tried to get Harriet Tubman on a, on, a, on a $20 bill, one of the victims of that 
America, American people lost their shit. It lost their shit. And, and Donald Trump and his people said, nope, put it away forever. So that's like a tiny little example of we honor the people who committed genocide. And four, we're not talking one family of, of slaves. We're talking 400 years, right? 400 years worth of it. And all that would happen to Native, to the indigenous people, you know, but we just, we demonize that when we look at, oh, they're, they're champions of, you know, freedom and democracy and blah, blah, blah. And so that came part, that came through in this Oppenheimer movie. Like they did not have to do that. Like they did not have to do that. And, but they did. And you can at least, if you make a movie, you can at least acknowledge, right? Beyond, you know, some of the guys were arguing with each other, right? And so you can at least go beyond that and say, there were some citizens in New Mexico who were, who were killed because we tested nuclear bombs on them. Like that's crazy to think about that. And we killed a few hundred thousand people, the citizens in Japan. Like that is, that's some bonkers stuff to not even address it. So that goes all the way then back to Barbie. Why would Barbie make a throwaway joke about smallpox and genociding indigenous people? And so people would go, oh, it's too serious. Oh, it's just a, it's just a, a movie on a dog, just let it go. You know what? But that is from a point of, of power and privilege to just throw that away. No, no, it's not. These people exist today. It's not like they're not here. And they want to watch that and enjoy that too. And people in Japan are rightly calling out this movie. Like, why are you celebrating this? Like, what if we made a movie celebrating, you know, Osama bin Laden and the people that destroyed, you know, the Twin Towers? Like, that's, that's what that feels like to other people. Like, why would you do that? So... You know, but when you're the greatest superpower in the world, you can just do whatever you want. I don't even know what Oppenheimer is. I don't even know what <laughs> I don't even know what movie you're talking about. It is it, it's like a uh, it's gonna win awards. It's it's the people who um scientists who escaped Germany came to the US and helped the US um develop the atomic bomb. Oh. That that's what it is, and and atomic rockets and and um, all all that stuff. Like a, a a lot of our science, we say our a lot of our scientists that help with that bomb and help the United States um, go ahead of uh, what was then the Soviet Union in the space race. Because after the war, there was a there was a little race between the um, the Soviet Union and the United States and Western powers to get the German scientists, because the German scientists were more advanced than any other scientists in the world. And they were developing rockets and rocket technology and things like that. And each side wanted to get those scientists. So the U.S., they both got some, but the U.S. got a bunch of German scientists. And that's what fueled our um, space program. Like we, you know, we tell the myth that they were just genius you know, white male Americans who did this on their own. But in reality, um, many of the key scientists were former Nazi scientists, German scientists. Maybe they weren't all Nazis. I, I should take that back. But they were, they were German scientists that we got out of Germany at the end of World War II and brought them here to develop things. And, you know, actually, not all after World War II. We got some out, you know, between World World wars one and two um and yeah and they helped 
develop the bomb. So yeah, that so that movie is out. It's one of those um, films that will be part of the award season kind of deal. It's one of those kind of movies. Okay, so yeah. but it's missing a lot of it. The message is really not the full story. Yeah, it's yeah, it's missing the context. Yeah, context. yeah, it's like if you just do a story on the Alamo. Right. You know, everybody gets told about the Alamo, the, you know, <laughs> Texas, you know, they were fighting the Mexicans and they lost. And so now, you know, the big cry, remember the Alamo, that's the story, you know, that we get in school generally. But the real, the, the rest of the story is, well, what was Texas defending? Well, Mexico did not allow slavery. And because Texas had taken over, the state of Texas had taken over Mexican territory, which is Texas. And, and Texas still wanted slaves. And Mexico was no, you can't have slaves. And Mexico came to liberate the slaves. And Texas was like, no, we're going to keep slaves. And the Mexican army came and they had their big battle at the Alamo. And, Me- and the Mexican army kicked their asses and won. <laughs> you know, you know like, the American doesn't tell that. Our, our schools don't tell that full story. No. And Texas was defending the right to own slaves. So, yeah, I'm glad Mexico won. But in, in America, we say, hey, remember the Alamo? You know, these champions, you know, they did all this. No, it's not. And so that's how, you know, countries build their mythology and don't want the whole story to come out. Um, so it's similar to that, that you get a piece of the story, but not the whole story. It's very, so there, remember the Alamo is like, oh yeah, I remember the fact that Texas wanted to keep slaves and Mexico's Mexicans helped not have <laughs> Texas keep slaves. It's very similar to that to that Mr. Global I shared with you, who, who let us know that we are fifth in the world as a country in ignorance and number one country that believes in false information. Right, that it's really amazing. And you know, I totally believe it. Like, and you, you know what's, you know what gets me about that? It's not that, it's not that, the grown-ups in America are incapable of hearing um, accurate information or accurate history or something like that. But it's just that we have a lot of people who don't want to provide it and allow for it. They just, I don't, I don't know what that is. I really don't know what that is. Like well, who wants I mean, to tell lies and believe lies? Think about, well, we're going to say, we're, we know that there's some women out there that are just grotesque, you know, Huckabee and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene. But, you know, when you think about Missouri, as an example, Missouri recently is putting a law into place that you have to, I think, check out or um, in regards to banning books. So in order to read a book, you have to sort of get some sort of approval. But if you have an abortion, if you're pregnant as a 12 year old and you've been, you know, essayed that you can't, you can't have an abortion, but you, in order for you, I think it, I think it was Missouri, miserable. Um, God, I have to remember what I was reading, but something about banning books and not being able to read books or do, I'm going to have to look up that law that that's being passed. That is crazy. I believe it. I believe it. And that's, it's, it's crazy though. It's, it's insane. Like you, I can't check out a book, but I have to get approval to check out a book, but I can't 
get an abortion. Like everything is so half-assed fucking backwards that it just makes me, um, it, it just makes it so depressing. And, and, and some people will say, some people will say, Oh, you know, America's a great country. And yes, I think there's some level of our capitalism that allows for creativity and for people to get rich. Like, I think there's some acknowledgement of being able to have that flexibility, but also it's now taken to the extreme, right? Like, yes, yes. That, that's where I'm, that's where I think I, I just get frustrated. And the, the amount of power that people have and the amount of bullshit that they're doing is what is driving me disliking this country each day. It gets frustrating. You know, I, I saw this news story today. Um, it was two put together. One was that the governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, signed legislation that no longer requires children to have a permit to work. Right, children. And they could be, I think, if I'm recalling it correctly, they could be as young as 12 years old. Right? And, and I think there's like the limit, no limit on hours, just all this kind of stuff that goes right back to like the 1890s. Like just put a kid in a coal mine to have them work. And then, and then that was, that was juxtaposed with another article about a governor. And I want to say it was, I want to say it was Colorado. And that governor had just signed in the legislation that children can get, um, children, uh, preschool and elementary kids can get free lunch and he signed a legislation so that it would be in effect for a hundred years. Right. And a free breakfast or free lunch, you know, and then there's two pictures and the picture with the governor signing that the kids can get free breakfast and lunch at school is all these kids surrounding this governor. And you know, they have these, these, these signing events and they're all hugging and smiling and you know, with this governor and the adults are applauding and everything. And then on the picture with, the governor of Arkansas, Sir Huckabee Sanders, signing legislation that kids, you know, there's no limit on making kids work, that I, I'm not certain it's her kids or some of the legislature's kids, but there's like four or five of them around. The boys are in little suits and the girls are in dresses and, and the kids, and they're probably ages, I want to say seven to 10 or 12 or like that. And they look absolutely horrified. Oh my God. Like they look like, they are, you know, made, you know, you know, when, ki- when a kid is made to pose for a picture and maybe it's taking too long to get the picture together and kids are like upset, but they probably just get yelled at and they look miserable. But it really tells a story of really the two political parties. One is saying we're going to give kids breakfast and lunch. Right. We're not we're going to fund that for the next hundred years. And another is saying we're going to take limits away from business so they can hire kids at almost any age and make them work as much as they want to make them work. And if there, and if that is not America in a nutshell, and it just, and on one you're like, oh, this is really nice, yeah, because yeah, you know what, I don't mind paying taxes so kids can have breakfast and lunch, and then, and I don't even care if their parents work. I don't care. They're a kid. Like they shouldn't be wrapped up in all of our nonsense. Like if they go to school and and it's a law, you go to school. And I don't care if the parent works. I don't care if the parents are millionaires. It doesn't matter. Kid shows up in school. You know what? You got some. You got some milk and some fruit for him. And you got a little sandwich and an apple for lunch and some carrots, more power to them. That, that's fine. Like, I will celebrate that and pay for that. But if you tell me it's okay for a kid to, for businesses to hire kids at, you know, age 10, 12, you know, to work in these, um, these factories and you don't need a permit, they could just work. You know what? Then, I, then I'm like you. Then that makes me hate America. That's yeah. stupid. That's stupid. Putting your 
child to work on top of school? Like, <clears throat> right? when are they supposed to work? I, Just take them out of school and make them work? I, I, I guess. Because you have to think about that because I remember my kid was in school and they're her friends. And, you know, there's rules. They can work, you know, maybe 30 hours a week. They can't, and, and we're in California, and they can't work past, I think it's 10 p.m., you know, and they can't work school hours. They have to work after school, but not later than 10, and it, and it can't go more than 30 hours a week. Like, it's just some very basic things because school has to be the priority, you know, from, you know, 13, 18, or 70, whatever the number is, right? Which makes sense. You go, okay, you got to limit them, and if they have a, and if they have a driver's permit, they can, they can, or a driver's license, they could drive to work and school, right? But they can't just be out anywhere and they can't have other underage drivers in the car. You have all these rules because we recognize that kids, you know, from, you know, preteen through, you know, 17, like 12 to 17, that those are particularly dangerous years for them because it's not because they're bad people. It's just because they can make mistakes and that we want them to focus on schooling and we wouldn't want to burn them out. But in the state of Arkansas, they're like, to hell with all that. Just stick them, make them go to work. And you, and you know what the minimum, you know what the minimum wage in Arkansas is? $7.25. Oh my God. They've never raised, because that's the federal minimum wage, and they have they haven't added on to it. Like California, depending on what city you're in, it's between $15 and $20 or something like that. Theirs has been the same since I think that went up to $7.25 in the 80s. <laughs> brutal it's just brutal <laughs> well i think if you if if you fall i think it was new york times i'm not sure but you know they talk about republicans preferences for the two, the 2024 presidential nominees and to this day after all this trump still has 54 percent of the people wanting out of like desantis and pence and and haley they and christie that 54% of the people still prefer Trump. That's something now. This is why we are number one in ignorance. <laughs> number, number five in that, ignorance and number one in believing in false news, which is, which is deadly, 70, man. 78 indictments. <laughs> now, you know what? Now, now, consider, now, consider this, Jen. So, you know, in America, you're innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we know, we know that, that, you know, all that kind of stuff. Do we? Now, if you apply for a job, you give them your resume, they schedule you for an interview, you nail the interview, they run a background check. If you got one thing out of order, you get a letter, you get an email. <laughs> right? That email right, says, right. thank you for visiting us, interviewing with us. We appreciate you coming with us. At this time, we have decided to go with other qualified candidates. We wish you well in your search, job search. It's over. <laughs> Felon. <laughs> yeah, it's over. Like it is over. It, 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 like, and you don't even have to be a felon. You could just have some stuff on your record, right? So, so you you can have, you know, they're gonna call. Maybe they're checking with some of your former jobs and there's rules like your jobs can't tell some stuff about you but we all know if you got in trouble and got fired for some jobs the job is not supposed to tell that but those hr people get on the phone they have a way of telling without telling 
A thousand percent. And yet he's got seven, how many did you say? 78? 78 indictments. He and he was in, and he was impeached while in office, right? So so his on-the-job performance was subpar, and there's a record of it. He was impeached for crying out loud. And post-job, he has 78 indictments, and he has um that's the federal indictments, that's indictments in New York. And we haven't even heard about the indictments that's coming from Georgia. So if, if so, so any back any company doing a background check, he would not, he would not pass the At first all. level of that. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even pass getting invited to the interview, but say he did because he knew somebody, he wouldn't pass the first round of background checks. <laughs> and yet right? 54% of the people still prefer him as their Republican nominee. Yeah, and let me tell let's 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 deep dive on that for a minute. So we know that from a demographic standpoint, about 78 to 80% of white men vote voted for Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Or Republican voted for Donald Trump. And we know most something like 90% of all CEOs are white men. And something like 60, 65% of senior management, or like 70% of senior management are white men. And something like half, a little more than half of middle management are white men. So these are the people who are telling the rest of us we cannot be hired because something is in our background. But these are the same people that say, but we want Donald Trump to be president. Oh, my God. (laughs) And people want to know why I want to move. (laughs) Oh, my God. He got 78 indictments. And you know what? I I read the one that... um, Jack Smith from uh, Merrick Garland's um, special—I forget what it's called—special prosecutor, whatever he's called—it's a thirty-seven-page indictment, and I read it. And it names his co-conspirators, including Rudy Giuliani, his lawyer Eastman, that Sidney Powell lady was talking about the crack and she was really crazy, and a few other people. But um, what is clear in there, they outline that not only did Donald Trump know. He lost way back in December. He knew all the projections like in September, October, leading up to the election that was saying he was going to lose. And in November election, he, they knew he lost. In December, he, he was telling, they were talking about it amongst themselves, right? They knew he lost. And, and to their credit, the department heads, the, the administration, you know, um, people just, not just farmer, but but um, all his administration, the executive team, they were, most of them were telling him that. And the, the um, analysts, they were telling him that. And he was, he was admitting it, but he was saying, it doesn't matter. Just go, you know, get some votes in Georgia. Go, go to the public and tell them we won and just do it. And, you know, so they have all that. And, and the reason they have all that is because um, Mark Meadows, who, who was his, I don't know what his title was, but he was a former senator, but he worked for Donald Trump. I forget the capacity, but he flipped. They flipped him. He sang like a bird, told it all. And so they got they got him on six more counts. And they're all really ugly counts, like conspiracy and conspiracy to take people's rights away and all this kind of stuff. But uh, and two things with that was really important. One is it was assigned to the judge, to this judge. And I can't think of her name right now but she's a black woman. And she is the judge who, when some of those January 6th people, because there's been like 1,100 of them charged and 
um, sent to prison and everything. Um, I don't know, 1,100 charged. In some cases, they're still going, but hundreds have gone to prison. But there were a couple of trials that she oversaw where the federal prosecutor, you know, they were found guilty, but the federal prosecutor recommended no jail. And she came back as a judge and said, nah, your ass going to jail for what you did. And so she, she said, just because, you know, you have freedom of speech or whatever, it don't mean you have the right to try to, you know, take over the government and, you know, rush the Capitol and all this stuff, being on federal ground and everything. So she put people uh, in, in jail. And so she's the one overseeing this. So, oh, and I forgot, he has the other judge down in seeing the tr- his indictments down in Florida. So he has Florida, he has the feds, he has Georgia that's coming, and he has um, New York. So he's in a lot of trouble, but it's the trouble of his own making, right? It's nobody, nobody made him do all that lying and nobody made those people lie for him. They're just stupid. And they were willing to go along with the big lie, as it's now called, even though all the data, and they saw all the data, all the data was very clear that not only did he lose, he got routed. Like it wasn't close. He lost by, I think, I think the last thing I checked was something like nine or 10 million votes. Like he got routed. But wait, so why is it that he can, if he gets all the, if he has all these indictments, then why is he still eligible to put his name in the hat for the Republican nominee? Right, right. Like that's the question, right? And so, so uh, there is some constitutional disagreement among the, the constitutional scholars that because he has not been convicted of a felony, mm. um, that he cannot. Although other scholars are saying there's example, there's examples of other elected officials who are under indictment who are disallowed, and because his he has a very specific two very specific charges of trying to interfere with the election, the federal election, that that is disqualifying. And I think that's going to, that that's going to be um, um, litigated as part of his trial. Um, but as it stands now that, yeah, they're letting him go through with all this. And, and what his hope is, this goes on long enough where he can then become a can official candidate. And then the tradition is that the Justice Department just allow a candidate to do what they want, like run, basically. And so it is a unique position for um, a presidential campaign in person because it hasn't been tried before. And the Constitution is such that if there isn't a clear answer, then you just go through the motions and then you test it up through the courts. And that's that's basically what his um, strategy is to delay things as long as he can to get on the ballots, have an election, and then he thinks he can win, and then he can just pardon himself and then all be gone, right? And so that's a strategy. Or even if he loses, then try to contest it again through the courts, and hopefully that it gets to the Supreme Court where you have, where there's more Republicans and Democrats that somehow they can place him in office. Now I don't think any of that will happen. Right. That's such a long shot, crazy deal. And this judge for the federal indictments, they said they said December as a trial date, even though that could probably get pushed out. But it looks like, you know, she wants to have this resolved before then. But even with all that, say he's convicted. So those on the federal charges, so we're not talking about Florida, New York, 
or what's coming in Georgia, just the federal charges, if he's convicted on one of those federal charges, right, um, the, the, the least amount of prison time, I think is two years, but it goes up to 20 years if you include all of them. However, it's important to note that none of the charges he was indicted on from the feds require a mandatory sentence, meaning he could be found guilty on, the fe- on all six federal charges and the judge can say, no, we recommend no jail time. So he doesn't have to go to prison. Right. Um, Now, we're just talking about the federal charges that just came out yesterday. We're not talking about Georgia, which will be coming and should in the next couple of weeks or Florida hiding all that material and everything or um, New York, where it's money laundering and all that kind of stuff. So we're just the federal charges. And so and so where the country is now from an election standpoint and a legal standpoint and constitutional standpoint in the courts is it's unprecedented. So you know, and I know, just as much as all these experts on cable TV right now, like nobody knows. It just has to play out to see how it happens. And I wrote, I wrote maybe two, I think right after the 2020 election, and I'm holding to it, that I have an article titled, Donald Trump will not go to prison. I still don't believe he was gonna go to prison. When, when I see him go to prison, I don't believe it. And I'll tell you why. I don't believe, uh, it's in my article. You find me on Medium, on the Myron Clifton, and you'll see that, just scroll down, you'll see the article. I don't believe, Jennifer, that this country has a mechanism to put a former white male president in prison. I, I don't think it could happen. Because I don't think the ego, the collective ego of this country will showcase for the world to see an American president, American white male president go to prison. I just don't think it'll happen. And I think we saw a very good example of that with January 6th. He just lost. And look what happened. He just lost. And a significant number, a significant, not a large, but a significant number of people who, just like you and I, went to school in this country, worked, pay taxes, pay our bills, complain about the country, love the country, travel the country, were so angry, they literally went to the capital of the United States, the most um, guarded, fortified place on the planet, and they took it over. They, they, we all saw it with our eyes, right? Even though Republicans are trying to gaslight us and saying, they, they, you know, it was, it was like a, they were tourists, nobody was scared, it was okay. No, we saw that with our own eyes. And that was just because he lost. That's all that, it was because he lost all that flag waving, all that, these colors don't run, patriots, salute the military, you know, say the Pledge of Allegiance, don't, you know, don't, don't take a knee, you know, all that stuff. And you had thousands of people that went to the Capitol and took it over in front of the world, all because one white man lost an election. Now imagine what happens if you take that same white man who still has his followers and say, you're guilty, now we're putting you in prison. I don't, I don't think America has a, I don't think America has a stomach for that. And I don't think um, uh, the country has a, 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 I don't think there's a mechanism to do it. And I, I can't really define it, but 
I, I just can't see it. You won't even see those executives who caused the, the markets to crash. Those white guys, they don't go to prison. None of those white guys go to prison. The last time you see a rich, famous white person go to prison, Martha Stewart. <laughs> you know, back in the 2000s, they put Martha Stewart butt in prison. A woman. Man, you, look, you don't see Jamie Dimon, uh, Chase, or, or J.P. Morgan. You don't see those Wells Fargo people cheating people out of mortgages. You don't see none of them people. You know, it, it's so it's so rare that it's always national news. Like Bernie Ebers for WorldCom went to prison and died in prison. Or... um that guy, that, I keep the other guy's name. So it's so rare that it's always national news. And, but that's like an executive. You, man, you don't see these oil spill people going in, these pharmaceutical people, the people that caused the opioid crisis, the um, Sackloff family, you know, they settled with the government for a couple billion, I, mean, I don't know how much, but it was a couple billion dollars, but nothing like their fortune for literally killing, you know, tens of thousands of people because they pushed opioids out there. They, the Sackler family, they didn't, Sackler family, they didn't go to prison. Like nobody went to prison. They just paid, they, they wrote a check. So I can't imagine that somehow you then get a U.S. president. Because if they didn't, if they didn't take his old orange ass after the insurrection that he, he, that he put on and he pushed and pumped up, if they didn't take him right after that, then they're going to take him three years, four years later. That, and of course, this is my opinion. But I'm going to hold to my article. Donald Trump will not go to prison until he actually goes to prison. Through all that, you said constitutional scholars. Yes. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. So just people that are experts in the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, I don't know right. the last time I heard the word scholar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny. I was just I was just talking to. Uh, I'm talking to my fiance about the alien. You could be in England, say you're say you're um, an English citizen or British or I don't know something something like that. But you can have a degree, and your degree could be like uh, I have a PhD in the royal family for the years 1633 to 1637. Like that's your PhD, like just in the royal family for like a, a two year period in their history. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a scholar. The, the word scholar, I don't think is used enough. <laughs> that oh is incredible. When you think about even talking about the opioid crisis and the overdose and the addiction that just ran crazy through, you know, most people worried about the cartel, the drug cartel and their cocaine. We have legal opioids being sold and none of the, nobody has to go to jail for that. Right. Isn't that, nobody, it's crazy, huh? And That's you know, insane. It, it is. And it's not like that opioid crisis is over. Like no. it's, 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 it's everywhere. I just saw a billboard today that said, it's a billboard that says, you think you're taking, I don't know, heroin or meth or something. You're taking fentanyl and now you're dead. I was like, whoa, like that's a billboard out there. Uh, yeah, because they're being laced. It's crazy. So you think about they're even being laced with our own pharmaceutical companies. Like it's not just cocaine and heroin on the streets. They're finding pills from some pharmaceutical companies that are laced with some layer of fentanyl in it. I can't believe like I, I don't know what fentanyl is. I don't know what it is. I just know from the ads and the news that it kills people. And I'm like, well, 
how are people getting this? Like, what is it? It must be, I mean, I know it's a chemical, but like, what is it? Do you know what that is? Yes. It's like, um, it's a drug that helps reduce pain, right? So it's, it's a, it's another, it falls under like the opioid, um, but smaller doses is, it's, it's like a hundred times more potent than like morphine. Uh, Oh God. Okay. So, so so drug dealers, they, they add it to other drugs. It's cheap. So not that Uh, I know this or not that I know, you know, this is just what I hear on the streets. Um, is that because fentanyl is cheaper, you can lace your cocaine with fentanyl to like, so you can spread out more of your cocaine. Ah, you, um, that is crazy. Yep. But, but as, use a, fentanyl, as a buyer, you don't know. You don't know. And and fentanyl is usually used for like severe, we're talking cancer patients like that are in, that are recovering from like major operations. It is not, and it has to be, it has to be uh, managed by like a physician, nurse, but you can't, you can't just you, you can't just walk away and be like, okay, yeah, here's your, here's your shot of fentanyl or push, wow. you know, in the hospital when you have the morphine drip, you know, like, yes, yes, you know, it regulates every four hours, but the nurse doesn't have to get, you can just press it. It won't work unless it's not like, think about if you've ever been on morph morphine, it's, it's 50 to hundred times stronger than that. And even Whoa. like considered stronger than heroin. Oh my God. So you takes a little bit to to cause somebody to die like it right. doesn't an overdose of that it, it's it's crazy to be thinking about how stuff is laced with that because of the fact that is that so scary yeah. that's so scary so 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 we have the opioid crisis that then which is its own deal but then you can because fentanyl is so cheap you can the dealers can spread out what they sell they can make more money but you also now are killing more people. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, and yeah. And that family, the Sack, the Sackler family, like they're, they're wealthy drug people. And, you know, we have all these uh, perceptions about drug cartels, you know, in South America and everything, but these people right here, they're right here. And it's addiction. You, you could be addicted to fentanyl, like anything causes you get, you get that, that whole thought of when you're on a drug, the reason why a lot of people get addicted one that you coming off of it, it's really strong, but the, the fact uh, of the fact of there's a term that people that are, have gone through, you know, drug rehabilitation or even on drugs, their thought process is the first high was always the best. So they're always chasing the dragon, like chasing the, uh, to get that feeling of that first high. And sometimes you can't live without it. Isn't that crazy? Oh, you know, I've heard that. I've heard that term. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. Chasing. <laughs> and you shouldn't. Like, it's so sad to think about how, how it's just there and easy to get. And, you know, you get people get addicted to pain medication rather quickly. And it's sad to, it's sad to see it. And it's, it's a major, it's a major issue. And that's terrible. We are, we are the, the United States is the major drug supplier. Fuck the cartel, man. I mean. I thought it was people all had the same hallucination about chasing the dragon. Oh yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) You thought when they were high, they were all chasing some dragons. 
they're I, I I took it very literal that everybody that you hallucinate see dragons. And I thought, well, maybe because the you know, maybe because things slow down and you see the lights and lights have tails on them, and maybe you think they're dragons. No, no, you're trying to get that first high again because that, that first high crazy. was epic. So you're always that trying to chase it. You know, it's funny because thinking it's speaking of chasing something, I have started watching um the the Netflix series quarterback. So yeah, it's on my list. How is it? Uh it's really good. And you know what I it's got Kirk Cousins, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Moriata from the Falcons, right? Oh, and yeah, yeah. it's, I, I like, I can understand, I don't know, I think it's amazing to watch men or anybody that's into football. I have a fantasy football team, a draft's coming up in September. It's an all-women's league, fun league. I think about how I try to remember everybody's name. I'm like, God, how do you guys know that? Like, how do you know they went to this college and did this? But this quarterback show tells a story about football. And that is keeping me engaged because it takes the really? it takes three quarterbacks, their story. And each episode is broken down into, you know, their relationships, um, their mind, what, how you have to use your mind in football, how you recover your body. I'm only like four episodes in, but what I like is that all of them are married and have children and they, they introduce their wives through it. And they talk about, you know, the body and how they recover and Patrick Mahomes and his trainer. And then they talk about how they, you know, build plays and how they memorize them because it's, it's incredible. You have to, you have to change the plays, understand the plays and crazy to think about how, how much has to go into it. Right. From, from a mind perspective, cool. all yeah. while your mind is getting pummeled every week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's good. I, I am really enjoying it because I'm seeing a different side of football and That's understanding awesome. a little bit more about football. So I didn't know that more, is it Moriata? Is that how we say his name? Yeah, uh, Mariotta. Mariotta that he went to Oregon. Like he was a duck. I would have never yeah. known that watching the football game because it wouldn't have clicked. But because he went back to his home and he played a game there and he talked about how he was a duck and how he came from Hawaii and how he went to Oregon State, like though telling the story makes me remember that stuff a little bit. That's pretty cool. I don't know if it's the yeah. same what, for other women out there. I have it on my list, so I'm I'm gonna check it out. What else are you watching? Yeah, I would watch it. Um Okay, the season finale when we are done recording of Hijack, I definitely Ooh, cannot okay. wait. Yes, um, I cannot wait. I will tell you that I finished the Crowded Room um, on Apple TV, and oh, how was it? It was a fucking genius show. I oh. it is the concept and and how Tom Holland played this character. And how they showed you how things were inside of his mind were genius. And I know I heard Tom Holland doing an interview that after he finished that series, that he had to actually take a break from acting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was well acted, just super sad, very sad. Um, you get very frustrated, very angry, but it was engaging. It Ooh. was thought provoking. It was like it, it established it's, I guess it's based on the true story of the many minds of Billy Milligan. I think it it's called okay. I think it's based off of this true story and how, um, 
how alternate voices are are created, alternate egos within uh-huh. your mind, and how they're it, how it was diagnosed. Okay, so, there we go. Yeah, it it is it is so so good. So and of course, yeah, I've heard, I'm heard my, good things. Yeah, my Real Housewives. I I definitely am now coming to a a place where I have to start thinking about like Silo and some other shows and um and, and start watching some of that stuff. So I started watching The Diplomat and I am the first 20 minutes or maybe the first 45 minutes. That's the one with Carrie. Uh, oh, I love that. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I am so not, it is not exciting to me. I'm not sure really, maybe I should give the full episode a chance, but I just thought you're not keeping me engaged. I don't know where this is. <laughs> it's so, look. Give at least give it two episodes. It's it's, uh, it's good. Two? Okay. But I gotta tell you, it's all it's all just dialogue. Like it's not you know gunfights or anything like that. Yeah, I don't it's like just, that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Look. So I am watching. Uh, so two for the kids. One is if you if you got a little kids like eight seven or so. There's a new animation on Netflix. It's called Super Four S U P A Super Four. There's these four little girls. And this little grandmother recruits them and they become little superheroes. Now it's for ages seven and up. So they're, they're like, I don't know, middle or high school. And it's animation, but it's a really fun little cartoon series um, that I think even teenagers were like. And then the other cartoon is there's a new Batman movie on HBO. So that, wait a minute, the Super Four is on Netflix. There's a new Batman cartoon on HBO. It's a Batman movie and it's called The Doom That, Ta- that Came to Gotham. And, and they incorporate Batman and Gotham City mythology with um, H.P. Lovecraft, who is a horror writer, who's very racist and misogynistic and anti-Semitic. Don't just get that in. But they take his universe and they merge it with Batman and Gotham City and it makes for a very good cartoon, a one-hour cartoon movie. Um, that's on HBO. And then if, if you used to watch what, what were called black exploitation movies, and there was these really gritty movies in the mostly in the 70s, and they were black cast. They were very stereotypical, but there were some fun things about them. And that's where, like, Shaft comes comes from, Foxy Brown, um, yeah. Superfly, and all these kind of characters all come from those movies. Well, there's a movie on Netflix called They Cloned Tyrone. And it's oh, like... Oh, I was wondering about that. That's what it's about. Jamie Foxx is in it, and, um, and a few other stars. And they're making fun of those old black exploitation movies. And so um, the jokes, the things are in our, in our sensibilities today would be cringy and a little bit, maybe even offensive, but they're making fun of how those movies were made back then. So it's a fun movie. It's silly. And there's just some funny stuff in it. Um, okay. And that's on Netflix. And then the other one is season two on, um, it's called Good, Good Omens. And it's on Amazon Prime. And it's a series where if you really like to make fun of the absurdity of religion and fantasy, uh, it's really good. And it's just this, this angel and this demon just start wrecking havoc and they sort of get along and they break the angels breaking the rules of heaven and the, and the demon is breaking the rules of hell and all this stuff is happening. And they just really take an irreverent look at um the Bible and religious beliefs and and stuff like that. And, it, and it's really good. It's really well done. David Tennant is like the main star. And he's a he's a very famous British actor. It's been on the um 
What's that show that everybody likes? Anyway, anyway, it's really good. It's in season two, and it, it, it just started. All the episodes dropped at once, so so they're all there. And then my daughter and I are watching a reality show on Hulu, and it's called Claims of Fame. Do you ever hear of this? No. So there's these famous people. Oh, they're not famous. These people in this house, and they're all related to someone famous. And all everyone in the house then has to guess who each other is who the famous person they're all related to. And so they go through a series of like a big brother kind of thing, games and puzzles and things. And then each week you, you know, somehow you have to make a guess. And if you guess right, that person's voted out like that. And you get to find out. And so you're trying, you're playing along with the house guests, try to figure out who this person is related to. And then people are lying and all this kind of stuff. So it's summer. It's a reality show. And, and they're actually famous people that relate to like big time famous people. And they could be a sibling, a child, a cousin, a niece, nephew, whatever. Um, but it's, it's dumb, but it's pretty entertaining. What's it on? Uh, we've been watching it on Hulu. So I, okay. I think it must be on ABC as well. Okay. Yeah. There's just like 40 minute episodes and it's pretty, and it's two seasons. And we just started watching season two. And it's pretty entertaining. It's dumb, but it's entertaining. Okay. It's dumb. It's sort of very similar to if you've ever watched The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, yeah. I've heard it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, I watch it. I kind of keep it on in the background. I mean, it is over the top. Uh, they just take things a little over the top, but there are some funny things that happen in that. Just the whole concept of Righteous Gemstones is yes. a little over the top. But if you... It, Billy, oh God, McBride. I, I forget what his first name is. Um, somebody's probably shouting it at the at their phone right now. Um, We're so bad with names on this show. God, I can't. It's it's something McBride. He's like the creator. He's a good actor, and it's it's funny, but very to me silly and sort of stupid, but also um, does it does entertain. Um. So next week we have to talk about um, Lizzo. I just heard someone just sent me yes. a message. Yeah, we dive. So I think it's good that we'll talk about it next week because it'll give us a week to like dive into it and see if we can, you know, we yes. can learn about, about Lizzo. But also I have a, a question that I want to post to you about Beyonce. Okay. I, I want to get your opinion on what you would do. And so okay. we'll, yeah, so we'll do a little, little summer music music thing next week. Um yeah, so it was great talking to you. Like listeners. Download us, put us on auto download, share us, um, give us reviews on whatever Apple is the most Apple reviews are the most important and tell other people about our show. Because, Jen, I think we are now in episode 67 or 68. Like we're moving up. We're almost at 69. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have a lot of fun with that episode. (laughs) What you already making that 69 joke. (laughs) You started laughing before you could even get it out. (laughs) And, you know, if you want to know when our shows come out, you forget it's Friday, just add us on our on Instagram. You'll see us and get notifications when we post. That way you can yes. see oh, that's a gentle reminder that um, their podcast is out. We appreciate and value. Love, love, love hearing from people. Love the support that we get from those that consistently listen to us. And um, again, if you want us to talk about something, we have an opinion on everything. Let us know. Reach out to us on our social media. And we will see you all on next week. Uh, yes, bye. have a great weekend. Okay, peace out. Peace. Bye. 
love this podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. Visit the episode description to find out how you can connect with the hosts on social media. Voice Memos is a production of Dear Dean Publishing. All rights and trademarks reserved. No portion of this podcast shall be reproduced commercially without consent. <laughs>